Hello and welcome to the Balancing Act podcast, where you can find tools and inspiration for working mums who are ready to overcome the mental load so that they can live with more simplicity, ease and fulfilment in their everyday. I'm your host, Debbie, a balance coach and a working mum myself, and I'm super happy to be here with you. Hey, hey, and welcome to another week of the Balancing Act podcast. This week, I've got another amazing guest interview, this time with Manisha Sheth of Nurturing Mama. Manisha is training to be a counsellor and she does incredible work supporting mums with their mental health and their emotional well-being right from pregnancy through the, the early years of your child's life. And I think that this is work that is more relevant than ever this year. One of the things Manisha talks about a lot is mum guilt and it was a bit of a light bulb moment for me when I heard her talk about how it actually begins even before our babies are born. When we can feel under a huge amount of pressure to make like the right choices and fit a certain mould even in order to be considered a, a good using my air quotes, mum, before our baby is even with us. And although we, like early on, we put a lot of effort into preparing for the practical aspects of pregnancy and life with the new baby, I think there just isn't often as much support out there for the emotional aspect of it. Um, And I think we all will have experienced emotional challenges and changes at certain points throughout pregnancy and into early motherhood. And so why I wanted to get her on to talk about this was, I think when starting this work, I was initially very reluctant to use the word mum guilt because I felt that by using it, I was almost like endorsing the idea that mums it was okay for mums to feel guilty. Whereas actually, I think that we're all just doing our best and trying to make the best choices with what we have. But what I found was that the word mum guilt just kept popping up with mums I was speaking to. And I think as my own children grew, like I could start to recognise some of the feelings that I had as as mum guilt. And it's it's given me a bigger appreciation for just how widespread it is. So I think the reality is that we all have to face it and I hope that if we can understand a bit more about why it's there, where it comes from, then we can start to to address the causes. So this is a bit of a longer episode and we cover a lot more than just mum guilt. Manisha very generously shares her own story and her challenges with anxiety. And so without any further ado, we'll dive right in. Hi, Manisha. Thank you so much for your time today. It's really great to have you here. So to begin with, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and the Nurturing Mama community? Um, Yeah, Um, Nurturing Mama started after my own experience of motherhood. Um, After my first specifically is when I um, started to get postpartum anxiety, postnatal depression, and that led to um, debilitating chronic migraines where I was barely able to even get out of the bed for three, four days of the week, which is crazy. Um, and it got me thinking once I went into recovery and I started um, getting better, I realised how when I spoke to other mums, how common um, the feelings that I had was, you know, and how people don't talk about it. Um, people don't know how to get support because I didn't. Um, a lot of the stuff I put down to normal motherhood, which wasn't actually normal motherhood, it was stuff that I could have, you know, gotten more support with, and it wouldn't have got so bad to where it was. So that's that's where um, that's where kind of the idea of nurturing mama began. And then I trained as a doula, an antenatal teacher, and hypnobirthing teacher as well, um, which I love. Um, but I'm also trained to be a counsellor, and now I'm focusing on giving. Um, mums emotional and anxiety support during their pregnancy and after as well because I feel with the work that I've been doing over the last 
um, couple of years, this is what people are, mums, I think, are really lacking. So they'll go to an antenatal class or they'll go to a hypnobirthing course, but they're still not getting the one-to-one emotional support that they need throughout their pregnancy. Um, and there's this huge change that comes afterwards that we don't tend to, to think about. So I also focus a lot on postpartum care and what comes after because um, I found when I was doing, um, when I was talking to some people, some parents after they've had their baby last year, did some market research. I think every single one of them had, who had a baby in the last six months said that they were not prepared emotionally for that fourth trimester. And that was shocking because they all did antenatal classes. They all did reading on the birth. They were all prepared for the birth. They had a birth plan, everything, but it was what came afterwards. And I, and I find that if I can support women during their pregnancy, emotionally to process those anxieties, then they will be able to be less likely to fall into postnatal depression afterwards. Yeah, I think that's so, so important because it's almost like um, in terms of the emotional support, like every single woman goes through quite a unique journey, you know, because she's in a unique situation and every pregnancy, like physically, every pregnancy is different as well. Sometimes you almost expect it to be difficult and you expect it to be hard. And it's it's hard to know where you draw the line between something being like a normal part of pregnancy and actually something that you need more support with. Yeah, it's true because we are told that pregnancy is hard and pregnancy is difficult. So, um, and we kind of really focus a lot on um, when we are pregnant, there's loads of apps out there about baby growing and there's babies like this size now and um, loads of things about thinking about what to buy and prepare yourself. Um, We don't really talk about the changes that are happening within us during pregnancy um, and if they are we do we just end up saying to ourselves it's normal it's hormonal Mm. everything goes through this I'm not the only one that's pregnant and that's what I and I think that's what I kind of used to say to myself was well I'm not the only one who goes through this there are so many other women out there who have an amazing pregnancy and are absolutely fine so this must must just be what it is you know and I'll be fine as soon as as soon as baby's here I'll be fine everything's going to just go back to normal and that's kind of what kept me going through my my last pregnancy because I was really struggling but I just had this thought in my head of it's temporary Mm. and it will be over as soon as my baby comes and then I find that that's not actually what happened you know it carried on and of course it carried on because if you're in any other situation um if you're struggling at struggling at any point of that period it's going to unless you process it unless you deal with it like, let's talk about, um, you know, PTSD. If you don't deal with the the trauma, you know, of anything that's happened to you, it's going to affect you later. Yep. It's not just going to go away, you know. Um, and very similarly in pregnancy, if you don't deal with the emotions and the anxieties um, during pregnancy, they're going to just carry on building up. And the thing with that as well is with the, then going through, birth which is a huge ordeal if you can imagine what you're going through over a period of one to three days your body is incredible and then you are looking after a newborn who is constantly demanding you are not sleeping you're probably not eating properly so you put all of those things together and it is you 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 know I don't know why we're so surprised when so many women are suffering from postnatal depression if that is what their journey is yes you're absolutely right because when you say it that way it's like even you know in that early period your very basic needs of sleep food and enough water just aren't being met so you know that alone would make it overwhelming never mind the fact that you're looking after a small human (laughs) and all the responsibility that goes with that and I think that um like I I certainly find before my first son, there was a lot of like, I didn't know what I didn't know. So beforehand, it was really difficult to anticipate what I was actually preparing for. And I think certainly in my case, that's what put me off doing the emotional preparation because I didn't, I couldn't really anticipate how I would feel afterwards. And I imagine that's 
quite common where until you're in the situation you don't really know what it will feel like and what to expect and so having support from someone like yourself just to even to equip mums with that little bit of knowledge it would be immeasurably helpful yeah um I mean most of my clients actually are um mums who've been through it before either they've had a really difficult pregnancy before they've had postnatal depression before something or um they have some form of um mental health um struggles already whether it's anxiety or just general depression um because they know the importance of support and they know that they don't want to go back to where they were before so that's what um like the clients that do come to me now are those who have kind of experienced it already and know they don't want to get there go there again Mm. Um, it's really hard to explain that to um, parents who've not been there before because it's true you can't imagine you cannot imagine how that's going to feel Um, and sometimes um, when we're so busy with the the preparing for baby and if we're working as well um, we don't take the time to really think about what's what's happening inside of us in terms of the emotions. Um, we kind of just, you know, put it down to, you know, like we were saying earlier, normal pregnancy, or we just don't want to acknowledge it because at the end of the day, there's this thing, and this is the thing about mum guilt. We feel if we are at all sad or stressed or unhappy during our pregnancy, somehow in our head, that means to us, we do not love our baby and we are not grateful. And that's what the problem is because that's not the case. You know, it's not about one or the other. You can absolutely love your unborn child and be so grateful for being pregnant and having somebody come into another part of your family, but also feel stressed and unhappy at times and you know anxious and not knowing what to expect because they're two completely different things and they don't relate to each other but I think that's why a lot of women who do find themselves feeling emotional don't want to speak out because they feel that it somehow means they are not grateful for having that baby. Yeah I think that's such an important point and so you you labeled that mum guilt to start with and I guess that's what we were going to speak about today um so that's a really nice introduction to it but that's like I can totally relate to that I think that's one of the things I really struggled with that I felt like it was a constant seesaw of emotions you know like being up in the middle of the night feeding for example on the one hand it's lovely and it's nice and calm and you have this you know time bonding with your baby but yet on the other hand, you're like absolutely exhausted. I just want to go to sleep and, you know, get this person off you for a little while. And it's that, it's really, really difficult to reconcile those two um, emotions. They're so seemingly like conflicting. Yeah, that is it. It is the, the conflict of emotions. And um, I think we all tend to go through it at some point during motherhood um, and and. And to a point, it's okay if it's not affecting you so severely where, you know, for me, it it turned to insomnia, you know, and and things like that. Or you're getting panic attacks or um, you're feeling really low because you feel like you're happy to have this baby, but you feel so much guilt for not feeling like you're enjoying it as you should. And that's the other word, should and shouldn't. And it, it things that we feel we should be doing as a mother um, or an expected mother and should be feeling as an expected mother or a mother. And I think that's, that's the thing. And then when you see um, like social media images or other people who look a hundred percent happy, a hundred percent of the time, which is very unrealistic, but to us, we just compare it. Okay. So that person has been through a similar thing to I have, and they are so happy. They've got perfect Insta images. They're looking really good and they always seem very happy. Why am I, why am I not the same? And we then go down that route of there must be something wrong with me. And I think that even, with the social media comparison you know as much as you can reason it out in your head and think you know I know that there's a filter put on social media and everybody only shows the good stuff you know the logical part of your head can reason that but when you go on and see all those you know image after image after image 
like you can't help it sort of it feels inbuilt in us to to compare yeah. and feel rubbish about it when you do that's the thing this is one of the um the problems my clients tend to have is that they know they don't want to be on social media they know it will make them feel worse but for some reason they feel this one time it might I might find something that's comforting but they don't and it's addictive and they'll just keep going and they'll keep looking um so I have and I do encourage any of my clients who go through this if there is anything that pops up on your social media that and and I, it's about understanding your emotions and acknowledging and being aware of your emotions because if you're not aware of your emotions you won't know this but if there's anything on the social that social media post or you know instagram grids or whatever that's making you feel uncomfortable or negative or sad or more guilty unfollow just press the unfollow button you know because yeah. it's not helpful and it's not going to make you you're not going to learn anything from that except you're going to be feeling more inadequate and, you know, more insecure about whatever it is that you're going through. Um, And we just want to remove that away. But if there's anything, however, that's on there that you feel is motivational, makes you happy, um, stick to those. Yeah. It's so important because I think the other thing about it is that it's, you know, it's almost incessant as well. Like with social, there's no escape from it. So you like compare it to say adverts on the TV, for example, you know, where you maybe watch it for a a short amount, a few minutes at a time at a certain time of day. Whereas social media on your phone, it's constantly with you. And you were saying about being up in the middle of the night, for example, when, you know, your head's probably not. What are you going to be doing? Exactly. You start the scroll. And like that feels as a mum when you are tired and it's the middle of the night it feels like the time almost when you're most vulnerable yes and yet that's probably the time when you're going to be doing the most incessant scrolling yeah and it's just not it's not going to make you feel better at all and it's very hard to stop yourself from doing it but um that's what I try and work with them to first get in tune with their emotions and anxieties understand their triggers and under, and accept anxiety for what it is you know it is a part of who they are um and just like with anything else you have to make the steps to try and make it better you know and manage it um and it's about a little bit of kind of self-discipline of not looking at your phone but it's hard because when you are there feeding or even when you're pregnant and you cannot go to sleep and your partner is snoring and you're like oh my god I can't sleep what am I going to do that is the first thing we tend to do I have been there I I remember nights and nights and nights that I would spend looking at my phone looking and reading things that would actually make me feel so much worse about myself (laughs) but I don't know what it was that made me do that because I'll do the same thing the next night and I'm like okay what am I doing here you know I think it's it's really habitual as well. I try to, so I try to be disciplined with my phone in that, like, when I go onto it, I try to have a specific task in mind. Yeah. But it really amazes me how often I instead find myself just reaching for a social media app like Facebook or whatever. And, you know, it almost happens before you're even aware of it. It's just so, yeah. it's like the habit is so ingrained that even if you, you try to, to get away from it, it is really difficult, as you say. You know, I know lots of people who delete social media apps from their phone for a certain period of time, like maybe over the weekend or even overnight or whatever. And you know, maybe that's like, if that's what it is required, yeah. I guess that's what we have to try. Yeah, that's, I think, exactly. You, you need to kind of figure out um, first of all, when is, you know, because at some point social media can be really good, but what we need to, you need to figure out where is it not helpful? What times mm. of day are you on there where it's not helpful? And then trying to create a plan around managing that. So for me, because it is very much in the middle of the night, if I can't sleep, I have told, and it's taken me a while, but I am very disciplined that I do not, um, touch my phone after a certain time and then I read my book and then I go to sleep so it's a it is about self-discipline but I and I've had to do a lot of work around it um and I think a lot of it was around acceptance of actually um this is 
not going to help my anxiety and accepting that I do have anxiety. That was a whole new mm. journey for me as well. Uh, a journal and a pen next to your bed. And if you cannot sleep or these these thoughts coming in, they're just, just jot them down. Mm. And it just unloads all of that, you see. And it's very therapeutic as well. So if reading isn't your thing, and I think for me, I enjoy reading, which is why I have, I've chosen reading books. Otherwise, get a book like a journal and, and, and jot down whatever your thoughts are. Mm. Um, which is really helpful because it is sometimes you get oh my god I need to do this I need to do that I need to do this for people who are finding anxiety with the things that you know they've got coming up and the things that they have to do and if that's something that you're dealing with then yeah you want to be jotting that down but not going on your phone I think um, writing stuff down in terms of planning was like an absolute game changer for me because I find once it's on the paper it's out of your head and you know that you know, it's not there to to remember anymore and it's not there to take up that mental space anymore. So, yeah, yeah I wholeheartedly agree with that. So earlier on in the conversation that you mentioned about the, the shoulds that, that mums, yeah. you know, I, I feel like I should do this. So do you think, is that the main cause of mum guilt, would you say? Or um, is there more to it than that? Yeah, I think it's one of, I, I don't think it's the main, I think it's one of the causes of mum guilt. Um, but... It is a huge one because, yes, we are surrounded, constantly surrounded by people telling us how we should be parenting, how our pregnancy should be. So um, if you see, if you're really struggling and you go down the supermarket and you're really struggling during pregnancy, imagine that you've had a really bad night and you're not enjoying this pregnancy at all right this moment, but you have to go down the supermarket, you need to go buy something, and there's this really nice lady that comes and talks to you, you go, oh, you look absolutely wonderful. You must be so happy to have this thing inside you growing and, you know, someone that you're going to eventually love. You know, explaining how grateful and happy you should be. So it's not always using the word should, right, but yeah. then, you're, then that conflict starts because you're right now internally feeling horrible. You've had a bad night. You haven't slept. You know, you're anxious about your next appointment with your midwife. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is very much for women during pregnancy specifically, you know, who have had infertility before or who have had previous loss. You know, so they are generally more anxious. And then they have somebody coming, kind of being more happier about their baby and their pregnancy than they are. Right. Yes. I think, you yeah. see what I'm saying? Yeah. And they're standing there thinking, oh, my God. Um, right now, I, I'm feeling so much guilt because this one, this one lady who doesn't know me is happier about my unborn baby right now than I am, and and I should be so happy right now. You see, yeah. That's so that's, I think, the shoulds we don't tend to talk about that really affect our mum guilt, the things that are going on in her head, and then you've got the very obvious ones of you know, people outright saying, well you should be doing this and you know I think that those ones come more after the baby's born like you know your baby should be drinking this much milk or you shouldn't be holding on to baby you shouldn't be co-sleeping or you shouldn't you know you shouldn't have a dummy and all of that comes a bit like more after the unsolicited advice yes exactly (laughs) so it's just it creates that conflict because um you you move away from what you actually feel inside and go towards what you think you should be doing but the problem is you're then trying to live according to somebody else's expectations which you're never going to be able to do we're never going to be able to work towards anybody's expectation because we are not them you know there's not a standard of apart from obviously you know the uh, the abuse neglect that side there's no standard of parenting as long as you you are giving them a loving home and you are doing your best. Yeah. We kind of need to create our own expectations and standards according to your own life rather than comparing yourselves and listening to what other people think you should and shouldn't be doing. And I think like that philosophy could be applied to so many different aspects of life these days where I think we very easily lose the connection to our, our instinct and our intuition. And I think especially as, as a new parent, when you do feel vulnerable and you maybe don't feel very confident in what you're doing as well, because again, you know, it goes back to this idea of not knowing what's normal and what's not. Yeah. And 
Um, and like, I think as well, having all that information out there is, it's fantastic on the one hand where, you know, at, at the tip of your fingers, you can go and find out something that you might, you know, say you're concerned about something in the middle of the night, like you can go and Google it yeah. and maybe that gives you the reassurance you need. But then equally on the other hand, you know, you could find an opinion on absolutely anything yeah. that supports yep. or, or or argues against absolutely. whatever it is. And like there's no there's sometimes there's no resolution there. You just get more, you know, more uncertainty, I guess. Yeah, it is because there isn't. I mean, yeah, I think the Internet is great for getting the information that we need. But I think it's so important to pick and stick with a few reputable websites that you can rely on for information which will give you kind of evidence-based education rather than somebody's opinion so forums stay away from them because you will you will always find an opinion on something Mm. uh, to either go against or for you you know and it just yeah it will just increase in that kind of conflict that you're feeling within you so um, it's either that or going to one person who you know knows what they're talking about and ask them rather. So I do, one of the things I do advise is stay away from Google because, you know, you don't want to be Googling things. It's not helpful um, yeah. at all. And it's like the worst thing that you can do because you will just go from one article to the other article to the other. And you will find yourself more lost than you <laughs> were before you started yeah. and it does take away like you said that that instinct we don't acknowledge how important our maternal instinct is and that relationship between you and your child whether they are unborn or they're here already mm-hmm. is so strong and for some reason we don't want to acknowledge how effective our maternal instinct can be in building that relationship and feeling less guilty because you're going with what feels right for you yeah and I imagine imagine that this year that that has been harder than ever for people because I guess at least you know pre-covid it was easy well easier to go and find an in-person service or you know going along to a group where you could speak to other moms and maybe get their opinion on something whereas I guess this year moms are maybe feeling that bit more isolated and so you know it almost feels sometimes that google is the only option yes that's not a great place to be so I think that's where having the services like you offer and especially the online community that you're building you're having those sorts of of sort of safe spaces where mums can go and and ask questions and get as you say evidence-based yeah it's really really important it definitely is and I think that's why I kind of wanted to create that community um and to be able to give mums a place where they can um really talk about whatever is going on with them them without feeling like they're going to be judged and if they are unsure about anything um they have one place that they can go to to ask rather than Mm -hmm. looking at loads of different groups and social media other like instagram or google and that kind of stuff and um that's why i kind of wanted to do that because i find that it could feel a bit lost whether yeah. you are, whether you have are struggling with your mental health or you're <clears throat> got you know perinatal anxiety or depression or anything, even the normal um, general pregnancies, people are still unsure about certain things and feeling like they need because it's like it is that village we used to be able to be around people, um, our neighbours and our family members and our friends who would be able to guide us. Um, during our pregnancies and afterwards but now the other thing I've kind of seen is that it's become like a competition which I hate between mums um about whose baby is sleeping (laughs) the most at night and how many ounces of milk are they having and even in pregnancy how big or small your bump is and it's just um that it's not it's not helpful you know no. to be in environment yeah exactly and I think that that's where those those communities really come into their own as well because it's you know it creates this support there that that really we should you know we all crave and we all need and yeah. sort of fostering that sort of environment then through pregnancy I think has a knock-on effect for for later on as well 
So, because you offer support not just in in pregnancy and immediately postnatal, you offer support up to like toddlerhood as well, don't you? Yeah, um, um, I do up to yeah. Because I think with post, I know postnatal depression is um they say last two years, right? But to be fair, um, I don't think you wake up when you're on your on your child's second birthday and be like, oh, I've got no. It doesn't work like that, you know. And I think it can um, it can go on for quite a while. Actually, um, I do try and focus more on pregnancy and that postpartum period, just because then it helps prevent things later on. Yeah. But if there are if there are women out there who are now um, struggling after their baby's like two, three years old, then yeah, I can definitely help with that because I don't think that mum guilt and the anxiety ever really goes away. And that's the thing, it just builds up. And that's what I found. I mean, it took me two years to really come to terms with my mental health. So I can imagine that's the same for a lot of um a lot of a lot of mums out there, you know, where they don't actually acknowledge it until um their baby's a little bit older. Yeah, and I know, so for me, like where I first came across your services was when I had my second baby, actually. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for the baby, I felt so much more confident with everything and, you know, just the feeding and changing nappies and all that. That felt like easy second time round. But it was then having a toddler in the house as well who was going through all these big emotions and, you know, feeling like that he'd been the centre of attention for so long. And it's a really, really difficult transition and I think that was something then second time around I wasn't quite prepared for so you know there's that element as well I guess yeah definitely the siblings as well you know um because we don't always because there's that another kind of um the guilt that comes across in terms of am I giving enough time to my Mm. old child um and it's very normal for the behavior to change but then how to kind of work with them and help them to feel safe and comforted because for them it's a huge change and I think my uh, seven-year-old is very very sensitive um, and I've already kind of seen that he's struggling with his emotions at some point and I think that probably started off when I had my third and it was not just because I had my third it was because of all the stuff that I went through and I was kind of an absent parent for a while where I was there in person I was there with them but mentally and emotionally I, I I wasn't able to be there for them and I think you know that's something that I still feel guilty about now because it's never going to go away that if I had got the support that I needed then I wouldn't have they wouldn't have been affected and you know th- this is the thing it's just it goes round it goes round and round and you always go back to that set you know that one I should have done this I should have done that and but I'm I've had to kind of come to terms with the fact that you know that was their reality and this is what I try and work with mums is that whatever issues you're having um is their reality is their life and they are not going you know it's hard to explain but for me like with my migraines when I used to have the migraines I couldn't just suddenly take them away Mm. you know it was a part of my life. It was a part of what was going on within me and my anxiety and stuff like that. So I had to kind of accept it and work to manage it along with building that relationship with my children. Yeah, I think like I really, really appreciate you sharing your story like that, because I think it's, you know, it's really brave for one thing. Um, and, you know, I, I've heard you share it before, but I'm sure still it feels vulnerable in some ways to share yeah. that with people. But like, I'm sure for other mums hearing that it it gives them a sense of hope almost that they're not you know if they're going through something similar themselves or even just maybe different circumstances but experiencing Mm -hmm. similar emotions it must make it so much easier then to to know that they can come to you for for that support like yes I really really appreciate that. Thank you I think you know it did take me a while and it wasn't something I actually spoke about even when I did start working with mums and you know but it was something it's something that I think I've spoken more about over the last few months because I feel if I had someone tell me that it's okay and that they've been there and it hasn't completely ruined their children and Mm. back from it um it would have 
really helped me to deal with that initial guilt because not only did I ha- have to deal with the the anxiety that I was dealing with um, after having my son and, and the stuff that was going on with me mentally, but I had the other part of feeling that I wasn't being a good enough parent. And both of those together is just, it's a recipe for disaster because you end up, I don't know, you feel like then you can go to, yeah, feeling helpless and feeling hopeless and, and feeling like there's not going to change and you're always going to be stuck with this. But I, I want to be able to say to moms who are struggling out there that whatever it is that you're going through, my God, your children are so, so resilient. They are <laughs> incredible and you are not ruining their lives like now I can see the stuff that I went through my children are so empathic now like they are so compassionate I mean every time my this is my five-year-old now when he sees me and he has a headache when he sees me and I have my one of my my brain throwing my headaches or I'm feeling really low or I'm feeling like tired he will come to me and ask me oh mommy what's wrong are you okay he'll give me a hug he'll say a little prayer for me and then he will get me, I've got a hot water bottle, a pink, fluffy hot water. He'll go and get that for me. That's amazing. my five-year-old. Amazing, you know? amazing. And I, that would not have happened if I hadn't been through what I went through. So it's not, you know, and seeing that was like, oh, my God, I didn't ruin my children. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, they yeah. have Yeah, Absolutely. They're so much more resilient than we give them credit for, I think, aren't they? Yeah, we don't. And um, we feel like, oh, my God, I'm ruining my children. Like, but, you know, you're not. You're, you are their mother. Yeah. And they they love and accept you for who you are already. Whether yeah. you know that or not, that's their, that's their only reality. They don't know anything else. And it's such, I think it's such an important lesson for them as well in being able to, like, to see you express your emotions and yes. you know in the first instance and then work through that and then sort yeah. of almost bring them along with you because you know that's an important life skill in itself and one yeah. that I think you know in in days gone by sort of hasn't hasn't always been there and you know I guess particularly for for boys you know I think it's it's backed up by research that it's so much more difficult for for boys and men even nowadays to to know that it's okay to yeah. express a wide range of emotions. Yeah, I think we, we do talk a lot about <clears throat> it's okay for girls to cry and it's okay for girls to be upset and stuff like that, that you know. But when we see boys, um, they are not taught the same to be in tune with their emotions. And I think I, I have three boys, so I'm very, you know, my, my nine-year-old, he's got a journal, I get him to journal. And we have talks for whatever, you know, whenever I can see it, you know, when you can see that there's something not right, I will go and speak and, and I'll go speak to him and, and find out what's going on. Um, because it will, it will make them stronger. And my seven year old right now, he is going through a lot um, emotionally. And um, I've had to learn to kind of not try to figure out um, why he is. Um, because I was talking to a friend of mine who's um, a psychotherapist and she goes, you don't need to know why he's going through. He's going through these emotions because he's not understanding himself. But if you are trying to get an answer out of him, it's going to be more difficult. So now mm. when he does uh, go through an episode of um, he has, he, you know, he lashes out or he cries, um, I just hug him and I just say, it's okay, you know? And yeah. then I just ask him, are there any feelings that you want to express right now? Is there any words to, to kind of tell me how you're feeling right now if he wants to but I I have stopped trying to fix him um, and get answers out from him and instead let him know it's okay to be that way mm-hmm. um, and try to get him a bit more aware of his own emotions rather than I think he used to feel because before I think as a boy he used to maybe feel upset but he's feeling embarrassed right yeah yeah he's he gets very very embarrassed very easily and he's very sensitive um so we've been working on that with him um but it's hard it is hard but I realize the importance of kind of just being there and saying to him it's okay yeah and I think that going back to what you said early in the conversation about you know working through your own stuff I think that's like that's another reason why it's so important so 
you know, when your children are going through these big emotions as well, then yeah. you don't get like, you know, triggered yourself, I guess, yes. by it. And you can be that like calm, reassuring space for them and allow them to express themselves in whatever way they need to. Yeah. And I think it's because I've kind of been through it myself and I've had to deal with my own anxieties that I can now feel that I can help my son with it as well. And I, I do the breathing exercises with him that I do for myself. <clears throat> Fantastic. So it's, it's given me those tools. So when I went through my own journey, um, you do learn a lot. You learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about the world um, and just generally about managing anxieties and emotions because the other thing is we want our children um that's the other thing that mom guilt comes from wanting it it comes from wanting what's best for our children that is the the main reason why we end up feeling so guilty because we want what's best for them and we're worried we're not going to be able to give them what they need Mm. and we are constantly then questioning ourselves about whether we should be doing this or whether we should be doing that we're not um really thinking about how they are taking in the information whereas yeah which is something that we can't control I think yeah control or anticipate sometimes either and I think like one thing that I've been quite conscious of as a parent is to not like impose my own experiences on my children and think that because like I, I know as a child I was I was quite shy and reserved and I I felt you know like anxious a lot of the time as a child and I always now I think you know in say in social situations I assume sometimes that my son will be responding in the same way that I did when I was a child whereas actually like he's he's got like a really different character yeah and like I just can't anticipate what way he's going to respond yeah we don't and it's about kind of getting to know them Mm -hmm. and but also getting to know yourself um and understanding because when you know yourself and your triggers and the things that are kind of making you feel guilty then you can work on those yes Um, but it takes some time to actually do the work so you can get to that place where you're not feeling the guilt is really overwhelming absolutely Um, and it is work and it takes time as well I think with these things it's not just I think we often t- think in terms of fixes, don't we? Where yeah, you we want, want to, like you want yeah, a solution that fixes things, but like it it doesn't, and it just it it does it takes time, and usually in quite small steps and small increments of of change, where sometimes it's difficult to see the progress that you're yeah. making. It is difficult. Um, I do um, try and get my clients to note down how they're progressing every week so actually what they can do then is they can read back because mm. you don't when you're in it you don't always realize how much progress that you made yes yes you've journaled it and you go back to that first page you'll see where you were and where you are now that reflection mm. time and again like yeah. that's another tool that is really adaptable to lots of different aspects of, of life yeah. you know um, so I, I guess the last thing that I wanted to ask you about was touching on um, what we talked about with boys. So I think mum guilt is almost, it's a widely recognised term now yeah. in society. And I think that most mums could could associate in yeah. some respect to mum guilt. But do you think there's such a thing as dad guilt? Yeah, definitely. I think um, uh, there is. And I think it's probably spoken about even less than mum guilt the thing is with the way mum guilt is perceived is that every, all mums have it and it's and, and it's fine it's normal mm. and that's where we fall down this path of actually not doing anything about it but with dad guilt um because there is even things like postnatal depression in dads as well that we don't talk about um but yes dads I think really struggle and I think there are one of the things that um comes up is which is a little bit, I don't know if it's controversial, but dad's not wanting to be in the birthing room. Right, yeah. And I get that. And there is this kind of perception that dad should be in the birthing room to support the partner. And if they're not, they don't love their partner enough. Right, yes. You know, um, or they don't want to be there for them. I'm not, I think we need to realise that there are some dads out there who really find they cannot support 
their partner or don't want to see their partner in such a vulnerable situation mm-hmm. um, and that it, that can trigger postnatal depression because if they see their partner in a light where they feel they can't support them and they feel helpless then that can trigger postnatal depression so we've got that whereas some dads don't feel like they actually want to be there not because they don't love their their partner not because they don't want to see the child born but they might have other stuff that's going inside of them where they don't feel they can support their partner as much as possible and that's why you get some of these dads who are on their phone during labor right yeah you know, the or cracking jokes yeah, or, right. do you see because they're not entirely <laughs> comfortable it's not yeah. it's not about them not caring they're just not entirely comfortable with yeah. being there and I think I get a bit I don't think it's fair to to kind of put those two and two together. I don't think it's fair to say that if a dad doesn't want to be there in the birthing room, it means they don't love and care for their partner or their baby. My my sister just had a, a baby recently. And when she came home, she had lots of information leaflets and her husband was looking through and he was like, it's really interesting here that there's reams and reams of leaflets, but there's not one that speaks yeah. to the dad. Dad, yeah, yeah. I know. But yeah, it is sad. And then afterwards, you know, a lot of the changes that happen in the relationship, in the home, um, can be really hard for some men to deal with. Especially if they have to go back to work and they're working and then they're coming home. And, you know, it's really, really tough. And I think, again, it's not acknowledged. It's kind of like, well, deal with it, you know. Yeah, I mean, I deal with it kind of thing, and they have to put whatever it is that they're feeling at the. So if they, again, if they're not feeling completely happy with whatever's happening um, with the newborn, you know, with the crying all the time, or the you know, feet, and there's this actual one one guilt I think a lot of dads is not being able to look after their baby in that newborn period because if mum is breastfeeding, then they feel, and my my husband had this, he felt like he wasn't a dad until later on Mm. I felt baby just wanted you and I was not important to them yeah and then he he was like that made me feel quite and he only spoke about this afterwards (laughs) um you know not at the time because we don't yeah it's that thing where I I find a lot of dads really struggle with bonding in those early moments um so they might then distract themselves and feel they don't want to get involved as much because they feel rejected when it doesn't work or mm-hmm. babies are crying with them. And because it's that lack of communication then, isn't it? Not- it is. And I think then that has the knock-on effect um, yeah. between couples as well. And their like the relationship they have then with each other as well. It's, it's, yeah. really, it's really tricky. It turns into a competition between both of them about who's going <laughs> to and you have um, like the mum thinking, well, you've been out, you've gone to work, you've had some space, you've had some time to yourself. Uh, and dad thinking, oh, well, you've been at home and you've probably been able to rest at some point and you've just been looking after baby, whereas I've been really stressed at work. Yes. Both of those are valid as each other, but they just don't communicate it in that way. Yes. And it's it's okay because I get when you're completely exhausted and you're stressed you're just going to say literally whatever you feel like saying but I think trying to get couples to communicate in a more effective way and remember that actually I know you're going through a really tough and exhaustive time at the moment but you guys do love each other and you respect each other and it's kind of just remembering that with Mm. all the stuff that's going on yeah yeah and I think it's the like it's almost recognized. So I can totally, totally relate to those feelings that you just spoke about. And I think it's sometimes recognizing that the feelings of like frustration or anger or whatever are coming up because you have an unmet need. So maybe yeah. it is, and that could be as simple as just yeah. needing more sleep, for example, yeah. or it could be just needing like a cuddle from your partner yeah. or whatever. But actually, like I know the way I responded then would just, you know, it almost would, it would make the divide worse rather than better and so I'm pushing away the thing that I I most want or need ironically I know it's crazy because then there's that fear of rejection as well and and I think you know because so much does change and it does change after every child as well so it's not like this is just first-time parents I think and you might have felt this um when you had your second the relationship kind of changes again yeah absolutely it's a different dynamic again isn't it it's and again you know something that you can't anticipate in advance either 
And, you know, I think in particular this year too, when people have maybe, you know, felt that bit more isolation and are having, you know, you know, it's a different dynamic with say your your partner's not going back to work, but is trying yeah. to adjust to working from home, for example. Yeah. You know, that's got that comes with its own challenges as well. It does. Because I can imagine you have a newborn and your partner is in the other room working. So you know that's there's somebody in the house who could physically help you, but yes. physically help you. Yes. You know? Yeah, I know. And then from the other side, you are working um from the dad's point of view and you've got to get the whatever deadlines whatever you've got to get done but you can hear your partner yeah. shuffling and yeah, yeah. not go in yeah. to help because you know you have to get your work done it's so and challenging yeah it has brought on a lot of challenges I think COVID has definitely which is I'm hoping will settle soon but yes it is. fingers crossed fingers crossed um so thank you so much Renisha you've been so generous with your time this morning and to finish off with then, could you just tell the listeners where, where they can find you? Yeah, so I have my um, Facebook group for supporting mums um, with anxiety either during pregnancy or postpartum. And it's called It Takes a Village. You can find it on Facebook. Um, I've also got my website, which is nurturingmama.co.uk. And I'm on Insta, um, Nurturing Mama UK is my um handle on insta so yeah feel free to join the group um there's loads of stuff in there i've i have some guest speakers come on and and do some lives on there and i've done some like mini trainings about managing anxiety and i've got one on mum guilt in there as well so oh fantastic fantastic yeah if something you're struggling with then do come and check it out um or have a look at my website and see if there's any way that i can help you in your pregnancy postpartum motherhood journey fantastic yeah I'd really encourage anybody to if if any of this conversation has perked their interest to go and check out um your your group and your website because it always strikes me just how generous you are with with giving away lots of of information so there's you know there's copious amounts of resources on there and I'm sure there's there's something that everyone will find useful in some way Mm -hmm. so thank you so much for that it was lovely talking to you yeah you too Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Balancing Act podcast. If you've loved what you've heard, I would be incredibly grateful if you could rate and review the podcast so that we can help spread the word to all the other working mums out there looking for more balance in their everyday. If you'd like to hear more, you can find me on Instagram at Debbie Lee Co or on my website at debbielee.co.uk where you can download your free kickstart guide to finding your balance as a working parent. Until then, I look forward to speaking to you in the next episode. Bye for now.